Okay, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Everything F1's second podcast of the year. My name's James Tiller. I'll be presenting today, and I've got my co-stars, Coops and Sponge. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello, hello. And today, we're going to be talking, obviously, about the Silverstone and the British Grand Prix, and a little bit about what news has happened uh, that you'll all want to hear about. So, we've first got our first section, which is the formation lap. Okay, Coops. What have you been up to last, this last week? Uh, not much, to be honest. Uh, just working away. Uh, looking forward to the Grand Prix, obviously. Uh, got a couple of new mm-hmm. people starting at work, so been, uh, they've been shadowing with us and been showing them the ropes, so it's not been a particularly exciting time for me, actually, just the kind of same old stuff, really. What about yourself? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've just had a... A normal week, uh, normal week, but you know, really excited for the weekend because it was the British Grand Prix. Um, so the build-up to that was quite, quite good. I quite enjoyed posting a lot of stuff, and I think I've spammed, spammed the page quite a bit <laughs> over the weekend with different <laughs> things because I was, you know. But um, yeah, just n- normal everyday life. How about you, Sponge? Uh, went to Formula One on Friday. Went to oh, Silverstone. Wow. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoyed some of your Friday. videos that you posted and a little bit little bit of a shout out to Silverstone as well because I think they did an amazing job uh, and I always yeah. do um, mm. and Saturday watched qualifying had a bit of a relaxing day Sunday was British Grand Prix and sandwiched in between the uh, Cricket World Cup final um, uh, yeah I watched I watched the highlights because I was too busy I watched the uh the race late because uh, yeah. we were I was, out, I was out with my family so I watched it about an hour late um, on record uh, and then after that I put the highlights of the the cricket on so that was that yeah. was good good to see an England epic, win so. yeah, yeah it was I only, I only saw the highlights but you know it it, yeah, it had me on the edge of my seat yeah absolutely we needed that win yeah okay so we'll, we'll, why don't we head into the thing that we all know and love uh, and that is obviously the British Grand Prix. We're going to have a quick 10-second review. So, uh, Coops, what's your 10-second review of the British Grand Prix? Uh, well, wow, uh, to start off with. Uh, from the first lap, for the first 20 laps, it was amazing. There was screaming and shouting at the TV, and for the majority of it, you're like, oh, somebody's losing the wheel. And then the next part is... Vettel doing what Vettel's been used to doing, and then just watching Hamilton win. He's now sixth British Grand Prix, so uh, mm-hmm. we've been spoiled the last two races, to be honest, is what I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Sponge, 10 second review. Try 10 seconds this time rather than. <laughs> <laughs> 10 second review, right. Mercedes battled for about half a lap, that was great. Vettel yeah. took for Stappen off, he was my driver of the day just for that. <laughs> Loved it all the weekend. It was absolutely brilliant. Well done, Silverstone. Love the British Grand Prix. Cool. I'll give you my 10-second ten review. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. great. <laughs> my 10-second ten, my, my ten review of Silverstone starts. Now, I thought it was amazing. I really didn't expect it to top what was a, you know, an absolutely fantastic race of the week before, but it absolutely did. It topped it and then some. That was ten seconds as well. It was amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, okay, so I didn't even look at the clock. <laughs> Yours was like you know fifty nine seconds or something. 
Okay, so we'll move on to the next part of our podcast, which is the Paddock Club, where we talk about the actual race in detail, in great detail. Um, so we'll start with, of course, the start uh, when the lights went out and Lewis attacked Bottas with as much force as he could, didn't he? He did. He put a bayonet on the front of his car and he went, <laughs> I want your first place. He did, yeah. They were they were at each other for, you know, good, I think it was until lap four, um, where the battle really came to a head. But they were kind of, it was really clean, good racing, nose to tail. I have a question for you, Tiller. Yeah. Do you think that they were told to stop racing and we didn't hear it on the screen? <sighs> Conspiracy. Conspiracy? No. No. <laughs> no. no. That would be so not that early in the race. Yeah, it just kind of seemed to be an abrupt end to the the battle because that that was as close as we've seen since Rosberg and Hamilton went side by side round Bahrain. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they, they would have had a firm talking to beforehand. Don't go yeah. into each other. You know, the the usual. Um, it just kind of crossed my mind at the time. It's like, why have, why has this stopped all of a sudden? I, I don't understand it. Because the thing is, they were battling each other, but they were still pulling away from the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. Yeah, but tyre management and, you know, there's loads of other factors that could yeah, have been... I think, the, yeah. I think the biggest thing for it would be tyres. I think they might have said, look, you can battle for the first few laps, but we need to watch your tyres for the race. So maybe they gave them three or and... four laps of it, right? Try it, and then is it, you know, because there was no way those tyres were going to be able to hold out for that kind of race. Yeah. So, uh, I think it was more a tyre thing. Yeah, and, and I have commented on a few um, things on Facebook articles recently about how I think Hamilton's actually matured a lot um, and kind of knows when to pick his battles now. Um, and he knows, you know, we're only four laps into this race. I've got, you know, 48 more to go um you know i there's there's something i can do in the pits later on if i just bide my time he's got much more mature head on his on his shoulders and i think that that probably was one of the thoughts uh going into kind of maybe backing off just a little bit after that 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 first um initial four laps yeah just to build on that as well what you said about you know the experience he, mm-hmm. He's actually one of the veterans of the sport now, really, isn't he? Him, Vettel. Oh yeah. You know, you look at you look at what whoever's else is on the on the grid. He's the second oldest on the grid. I, I said the other day, he surely people have got to start looking at him as a proper bona fide legend of the sport now, because people do seem to you know he seems to have been one of them people that have been around for. A lot longer than people actually give him credit for. Mm. Yeah, well, he has, and he's been at the front, the forefront of the race, you know, of of every season, really. You know, he, there's there's been rarely a season where he's been, you know, on the back foot and kind of down the down the rankings, really. You know, um, save a couple of seasons at McLaren, maybe or a season at McLaren, and maybe at the first season at Mercedes. Uh, you know, the rest of the time he's been fighting for, for the championship he's been scoring points and podiums and top steps you know all, all these he is a, he is a legend of the sport there is no doubt about it uh i'm not a i'm not a lewis hamilton fanboy um I, you know i i can spot when he's done something wrong and and when he's you know he wasn't the racer of the day i think yeah. i can say i can find that, you know point that out but at the end of the day 
people say, oh, he's just been lucky. You know, he was lucky this time because there was a, a safety car, which we'll get into uh, a little bit later. Um, but you've got to put yourself in those positions to be um, to, to receive the luck, haven't you? You can't. You. It's not just luck. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a skill that he has to be in the right place at the right time if luck, you know, befalls him basically. <laughs> What's your thought on that, Coops? Yeah, I mean, he has. I just don't understand the kind of hatred for Hamilton. Just mm-hmm. now, there seemed to be a lot of it as. We've probably seen in some other groups and some other discussions that, I mean, he didn't do anything Schumacher-esque. It, it, you know, he raced and he won the race. Okay, so a bit of luck came his way when it came to the safety car. He didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just it. I mean, there was one post that i seen on Facebook that someone seemed to suggest that Giovinazzi crashed his car on purpose to give ha- the safety car so Hamilton could win the race. Well, that's absolutely ludicrous considering yeah. he drives a Ferrari engine car. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, and he's Ferrari's man. It was Ferrari that picked him for that seat. So. Yeah, I, I think some people don't seem to think about things sometimes. I don't think, but there we go. I think he gets so much hate because of his lifestyle and, and, and he's cooled down over the last couple of years, but previously he's been like, oh yeah, you know, I can be a singer, I can be a this, that, a fashion person, I, I'm on Facebook all the time, I'm on Twitter, I send all these pictures of me flying in my own private jet, and people are, you know, people don't like that sort of thing, people don't like to see people doing, being successful and, 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 and doing all these things that they can't do, so they, it's it's jealousy um, at the end of the day, um, but he has calmed that, down on that uh, over the last couple of years and kind of focusing more on, on the racing and is uh, is much more chilled out I, I think at the track so hopefully I think that will bring people on on his side again because um, it's British people not liking him and he's you know the best Formula 1 racer to come out of Britain in well forever uh, at the end of the day um, questionable with with a few of the others obviously um, but that, I mean, you're going off stats alone um, yeah, he is, and that is a, a fact. I mean, you could bring into question Vettel's four championships. You can bring into question how Schumacher won at Ferrari. You can't really mm-hmm. bring into question Hamilton. I mean, he hasn't done certain... He, he's just got himself into the car at the right time. And I mean, remember, Mercedes weren't a good team when he moved over to them. They were okay. So, mm. you know... He went over and he built them up and he got his, you know, he's doing arguably what Fernando Alonso should have done with his talent. Mm -hmm. He's made the right decisions, whereas Alonso probably arguably hasn't. So, yeah, you can't really ask. That's what I touched on the the last podcast as well, you know, to, to... To really be considered a legend of the sport, the decision making along the way is as much a part of the driving on the track in every race yeah. that you go through. You know, I mean, yeah. Senna spotted every you know every opportunity that he had. He went he went to Tolman and drove the wheels off the car, mm-hmm. and then he got an opportunity with Lotus, and he realised that that was the best opportunity. He had better offers. I mean, he had an offer from Williams at the time to go. You know, he tested for them at the end of the day, didn't he? So, you know, mm-hmm. he he. He wanted to keep a control to a certain extent of what he was doing, and he did it his way. Yeah. He went, he went from Tolman to Lotus to McLaren to Williams, and mm-hmm. you know, then, then three 
choices were absolutely spot on at the time. You yeah. know, Michael Schumacher, you know, he went to Ferrari and he built that team that team around him, you know. Absolutely. I mean yeah. he had Ross Braun and uh, Jean Todd around him as well, which that's gonna make a massive difference. But yeah. You know, again the people or the drivers like Alonso I don't think Alonso has made a decent move in his life ever. He's never made no. a decision. He's always made the mistake, basically. He's, he's terrible, terrible at making decisions. Yeah, and that, that's what make, makes me think, that, you know, as what I said in the last podcast, it, it's make, it, it makes you question whether or not he's actually gone to the best team or he's mm-hmm. gone to the team that he thinks that he can influence yeah. more. And if that's, you know, if the latter is the case, then he can't be considered as one of the, the all-time legends because he's, he's never taken a team and made them great. You could say that about Vettel as well. I mean, Vettel has, and his four championships was because it was the best car, not because he's mm. taken a team from being the Ferrari that Schumacher went into or Mercedes that Hamilton went into. Mm. He he got into the car as it was already established as the front runner. Uh, yeah. And then if you look at certain situations, the the side by side racing, we'll touch on. The Silverstone incident, but then you look at was it Bahrain this year? This way Vettel, uh, he spun with Hamilton. Then you look at the 2011 Canadian Grand Prix. He he mm-hmm. doesn't like pressure, but the looks of things in Vettel. So no, and that's you can you can probably the I, worst place to be for pressure being at Ferrari because yeah. you've got it, especially after the drought that they've had. <laughs> the pressure is mounting and mounting and mounting. He's got a whole country yeah. on his back. Um, he's yeah, he's in the wrong is, team. Is... Ferrari are the team for pressure, and if you can't handle pressure, you don't be a Ferrari driver because it's not just a team. You've got a country. I mean, what happens in mm-hmm. Ferrari's Formula One is front page news in in, yeah. in Italy. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, we'll touch on Vettel later, but I mean, you don't. I can, I would, in my head, I don't put Vettel in the same class as Hamilton. Or no, but he's a good driver. We all agree. We all agree that Lewis is is a great, and there's no d- debate in that really. Yeah, he's certainly on par with Prost for me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Definitely. Somebody actually commented yeah, I, I that agree. when Hamilton came into the sport, he was a very much a Senna driver, very emotional kind of driver, and as he's gotten older, he's became more of the Prost professor style driver. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's evolved. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. So a lot of people comment on the fact that you know, oh, I could drive that car around at that pace and all this, that, and the other. Which one is rubbish? But mm-hmm. even so, that that professor style is coming through in him, then, isn't it? Because he knows that he doesn't have to drive the the wheels off the thing to mm. win a race. And um, you know, at the end of the day, why put yourself in a position of risk when you don't need to? No. no, and that and that's, that to. that that actually ties us right back into lap number four um, of the race, where he did, in my opinion, anyway, um, he he did kind of look, take a step back and think, well, hang on, I can't fight like this throughout the whole race. My tires will fall off. Um, I've got to get somewhere and, and get this to a one stop if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, so you know, good good little segue back into where into the race there. Um, yeah, that's that's so that's what happened up until lap four. Then. 
if we move on down the down the um, race, for the, uh, there was obviously quite a lot of wheel-to-wheel -wheel action. Um, the the you know, Mercedes drove off into the distance doing their, you know, driving off into the distance kind of thing. Don't forget about Gunter um, Steiner's vein. <laughs> uh -oh. The two, oh, the two horses got very, very close together. They got too close together, and yeah. now I'm, I'm looking forward to the next documentary. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I tell you, it's not Drive to Survive Two is going to be. Right? It's going to have to be. It's going to have to be twenty-four episodes, I think. Yeah, and I think that's so. just, and that's just with Hass and uh, Rich Energy, <laughs> let <Yeah>. alone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're top. Well, we're on them. I mean, did you see the tweet that Rich Energy put out at the start of the British Grand Prix? The one with the milk yeah, float. I... Yeah, that was. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's a, that's a, that's a great start, boys. The fastest milk float or something. It was. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, we'll touch on he, the, the Rich Energy as mad stuff as a later. Boxer frog, so isn't he? Yeah. But yeah, yeah Hass, Hass, what did they do? They they banged wheels and five corners in. And then mm. retired yeah. lap seven and lap eight respectively because of the damage they'd done. And apparently, from what I heard after, Gunter Steiner had told them that this was their opportunity to get back into it and to give them something. Uh, <laughs> you know, because they have had such a horrible few weeks. And uh, I think from what I've found, one of the cars was actually on the Australia setup, while another car was on Silverstone setup. They just yeah, yeah. fundamentally can't work out the car something wrong yeah. there and they can't seem to work it out. I mean, this weekend... And they've fairness, got... though, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they've been struggling that much with the tyres. You've got to give the drivers some credit for trying to drive around on three instead of four. Let's get rid of 25% mm. of the issue. Let's just drive around the circuit on three wheels. <laughs> it's an extreme, it's an extreme, but let's try it. It didn't work, but credit to them for trying. They, uh, yeah, they've went back, yeah, they obviously went back to basics <laughs> and just thought, right, let's try something. Uh, and it, <laughs> the whole weekend for them, they can't get data from that weekend. They're on, the setups yeah. are all over the place. They lasted five, eight laps. The cars were damaged after the first lap. It's the worst thing ever if you're trying to figure out the car. Uh, mm. And they were doing well last year as well. Yeah, I think we. Yeah, towards the end, towards the end they were. I mean, I, I still question whether Grosjean should be in that seat. Nope. Uh, there are there are there are plenty of. You know, better drivers out there, in my opinion. Grosjean has he's made too many mistakes. He needs to be. Well, he's spun in the pit lane. There we go. <laughs> that, yeah, that was in practice, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Free, practice. What practice. Practice. You know, even even the commentators were laughing in, in Sky Sports about it. Well, they were trying to and say then, that they, they sympathised for him. And then he drove no, back no, no. into the the pit lane, and uh, they all got told he had to go around and actually perform the lap. So he performed the lap. Uh, but then dropping loads of little bits of uh, bodywork on the on the lap around, back around to the pits. So it's yeah. just a, a big shambles, absolute shambles. Yep. There would be somebody in that pit lane, though, that's got a really, really nice memorabilia on their wall now. Though. <laughs> nice bit of carbon fibre. Yeah, yeah stick, a, <laughs> stick a couple of fairy lights under the bottom of it and you're, you're well away. Yeah, but the thing about it is, it's Grosjean. How many people, I've got a bit of carbon fibre for Grosjean's car. Half the world have a bit of carbon fibre for Grosjean's car. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, the falls stuff. from the sky on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. I'm in Pastor Maldonado. Most of the people have got it. It's fine. It's all Ericsson's Pastor fault. Pastor Maldonado anyway. has got a, a souvenir. Yeah, <laughs> Pastor Maldonado has got a souvenir of somebody that's actually worse than him. 
thrilled. But we're comparing. We are comparing Grosjean to Pastor Maldonado. Is that not a sign that they need to do something? They need to get rid of him. They need to that, that's bring the in idea of an unstoppable. What is it? An unstoppable force hitting an, an, an immovable, immovable object. object. Yeah. <laughs> I'll throw it out there to you too. What about Danny Kvyat and a house? Nah, he, <laughs> he's he's not the best driver anyway. Um, you know they've given him a chance this year. He's he's done. Average. What's happened to Danny Kvyat anyway? He yeah. he went away as like you know one of the most angry human beings on the planet. Mm-hmm. And has somebody given him pills or something? Because he seems to have come in. He, he's hardly said a word. I think he was given a very good paycheck. To be honest. Possibly. Yeah. I think he knows this is his last chance. He's not going to get another chance at Formula One. He knows he's in the in he's in the one team that can ruin his career. Ruin they've ruined a lot of careers. I think uh, Dan Tictum has been chucked off the young driver programme for Red Bull as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, which I don't understand well. why, considering they haven't really got anybody else to put on there. <laughs> but there we go. Well, I don't think I think he got like a couple of points in Super Formula or something. His performance in Super Formula wasn't good enough. Uh, but they they don't give they don't give drivers an opportunity to try. But you know, for yeah. me, Danny Kvyat and a Haas Haas is nowhere near the same pressure. Now you look at Kimi Raikkonen and uh, and the Alpha. You know, they have pressure. He's just out driving. Yeah. Maybe that's what Danny Kvyat needs. But yes, yeah. I mean, you're right. Haas need to get rid of both the drivers. I think would they you were see looking... would you see a, a, a move from Toro Rosso to Haas as a step up though? It may be um, slight it, sideways. It's a, it's, it's a lateral movement, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I would actually even argue that it's a move backwards. To be perfectly honest with you, right now on, cu- on current form, probably. I mean, for a, for a car that's running a Ferrari engine, you know, a, a same season Ferrari engine, for a car. Mm. That's running that that spec engine to to lose so much on you know cornering speed. It's I, I don't know. I think Tomo Rosso are doing a much better job. To be perfectly honest, I think it'd be a backward step for Kvyat. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if there's a you know there's somebody like an Ocon out there that's knocking on the door. Well, Ocon, Ocon needs a seat. Ocon apparently is getting released from Mercedes driver program to allow him to yeah. pursue his Formula One career. So it means that he's not tied into going to a Mercedes powered team. So uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something already in the works with Ocon. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't hopefully. I, I'll be honest with you. If they can sort themselves out, Haas, I wouldn't mind seeing an Ocon and George Russell pairing over there, to be honest. But mm. I, I don't know whether you know would would Russell want to be loyal to to Williams being a British team and British driver? Is he can face confirmed for next year? Isn't he? Is he, is he not confirmed for next year? Mm, is he? I don't know. The Williams. I thought the only two that were actually confirmed were the uh, McLaren boys. Yeah. Mm, well, I think Hamilton's got a multi-year deal. Bottas certainly hasn't been confirmed. Uh, I'm not sure who else. I know for next year, as you say, McLaren's definitely confirmed. Raikkonen's got a two-year deal. Uh, but multi-year deals within Formula 1 don't really mean anything. Yeah. So. Well, maybe it was one of these... Um, be an I, th- I was watching the... No, I think it was a pre-show, maybe, um, uh, over the weekend, where they were watching um, 
the Williams lot on the stage addressing the Silverstone crowd and maybe saying, you know, we want we want Russell for next year. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, maybe it was just a, a simple. Um, George Russell will be in my Mercedes. Is he good enough? Yes. You look how well he's driving that car. That has no right to be where it is. I mean, well, I mean, he, you're you're judging it against somebody who him against somebody who has had um, serious issues. You know, he's been in a crash and can only use one arm mm-hmm. um, properly. Uh, I, I mean, don't he, know was, if it's he a was fair... he was racing the Hasses at one point in a car that didn't deserve to race the Hasses. Mm. You know, he's driving. Mm. The proverbial off of that car, even though it's it's a shame. I mean, if he was in a Toro Rosso or a McLaren or another decent mid team, mid level team. Mm-hmm. Uh, One thing that I have heard about Williams though is that you, the, the any development that they're doing is only going onto George Russell's car. So you're not going to get any data from a car that's running three seconds off the pace. You know, he's being left behind. Yeah. Mm. They've given him his one year, and it kind of makes go. sense. The fact that they've got no money, you know, so yeah, so they can only try it on one. So that's Haas, who obviously dropped off. You say by lap lap eight, yep. um, and a, a, bit, a bit about Williams. I, I actually think Williams didn't finish last. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was quite funny because uh, we're slating him, but he actually beat Vettel today. Kubica, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, he beat. Bits of beat Sebastian Vettel. Beat a few. Was well, it just the driver of the day again? Was it or the actual result? <laughs> no, it was the actual result. The actual result oh. of, of the of the race. Kubica beats Sebastian Vettel, oh, four-time enough. world champion, um, at, at Silverstone. Uh, that's a headline and a half, isn't it? <laughs> so then, we, in the race, um, we got to uh, the battle for three, four, and five between Leclerc, Verstappen, and Sebastian Vettel. Um, that was around about lap 11, came to kind of a real kind of head, and they were, there was overtaking galore, uh, kind of pushing back, and then because uh, uh, Max was pushing at Leclerc, but I don't think he was watching his behind, uh, and and Vettel kind of capitalised on on a few of them, and, and nearly took him into a few of the corners, and that was a great battle, really, you know. Yeah. And that 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 continued for for a, a few laps. Um, Leclerc actually got away, and it was the, the battle was against Verstappen and Vettel um, until lap fourteen, when when we had a pit stop. Who remembers what happened in the pit stop? Oh, it's the, fa- oh, it was the fastest pit stop. Yep. Yeah, it, it was it was a quick pit stop, but Leclerc and Verstappen pitted at exactly the same time. Leclerc obviously his yeah. So Leclerc my, my dad, the Ferrari nutcase, was shouting, <laughs> "Unsafe release! Unsafe <laughs> release!" Yeah, was it an unsafe release? I don't think it's an unsafe release. Oh, they've clarified it before, haven't they? With that that little sponsor lane, they've they've called that a second lane, haven't they? The only thing that I would say is that I don't know who it was that was after them. They were, mm. I think it was McLaren actually. They were out in the pit lane getting ready for someone, yeah. and it, it was it was a little bit dangerous. To be perfect, yeah. Honest with yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there the, the were definitely I, toes in the way, weren't there? Yeah, at, at one point, one of the back tyres could easily have, you know, wrapped itself around one of the the um, guns on the mm-hmm. McLaren stand, but it didn't happen. And although I don't agree with it, a lot of a lot of the decisions that they make are based on what actually happened, rather than mm. what might have happened by the actions that they've taken. So 
I suppose at least they've been consistent in the way that they've, you know, gone gone about the decision. In fact, they didn't even announce a decision to be made, did they? So no, no. I, and I think a few few people online have thrown up. Well, why is that one uh, not an unsafe release? But then you go to Monaco and, and a similar thing happened. Then then that is an, an unsafe release. I think yeah. the, the the clear point is that it's two completely different pit lanes. You know, there's the space. Uh, in Silverstone, there's absolutely zero space uh, at Monaco. Um, you see, I so don't know in... though, Tiller. I mean, you look at the Monaco pit lane these days; it's a lot wider than it used to be. I know it's still tight, but I, I don't, I don't agree with the theory of just because it's a tighter pit lane means that it would be an unsafe release. I, I just think if you let a car out and they have to drive two abreast down the down the pit lane, it's mm-hmm. an unsafe release. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not with these excuses that they make up just to try and let them off and this that, and the other. I, I think F1 has an opportunity to make a lot of things black and white, and you know yeah. how much they go on about safety and this that and the other. Mm-hmm. You know, regulations get changed all the time on safety grounds. You know, tires they wanted to go back on safety grounds and all this that and the other, and yet mm-hmm. you're allowed to drive two abreast down a pit lane at what you know sixty mile an hour. It doesn't wash with me, to be honest. I don't agree with it. Okay, so you're on the lines of it was an unsafe release then? Um, in the rules, no. In my personal opinion, yes. Okay. But, I mean, anyway, I, any decision to penalise was kind of then again negated the need for it because max immediately lost that place anyway um yeah. after after two corners so perhaps that was looked at looked at when deciding whether to investigate maybe yeah i think that that might have been one but i don't think i mean it didn't even investigate it so there had to have been something where they thought nah it's fine what i think they both left the way i see it is they both were released at the exact same time from their pit boxes more or less, give or take mm-hmm. a, maybe a fraction of a second. So that's not an unsafe release. It wasn't like he was released into the path of the other car. They came out at the same time and just because, yeah. you know, it's more to do with just the timing of it rather than it being unsafe in a sense. Uh, yeah, it's not like, it's not like, um, it's not like uh, Leclerc was actually in, in the lane of, yeah. you know, uh, uh, of the pit lane itself, there it was, was no real avoiding action either. They so, came so, out so when, together. When whoever, when whoever the, the um, when whoever the Red Bull um, lollipop bloke was looking down the, down the way, um, he wouldn't have seen, you know, a car in the in the lane. So he he's perfectly within his rights to give, um, yep. you know, uh, max the max the release basically. So into the pit lane. So I think obviously all those things do add up. And and, and as I say, he did lose the space, uh, lose the posi- uh, position on the track, um, a couple of corners down the way anyway. So if if there were ever was any thought to Ash, uh, we should we should investigate this, um, it was probably put to put to pasture, um, as soon as that happened, um, because obviously that's there's there's no need to point to to penalise somebody for something like that happening. Um, and they've been criticised so often about let's let them race. It would be, you know, counterintuitive to to penalise at that point. I think. Yeah. Anything else to add? Well, anything else happened uh, around that time? There was again, obviously they were they were at each other for for quite a quite a few laps then uh, I've, I've just got a note on on my notepad saying great racing between the two of them uh, and and there was you know it was you know action packed and I, I think we've got 
hopefully a few years of this potential rivalry what what do you think to this rivalry is it is it the next big thing yes there's no question yes i mean they're going to be racing for the next 10 years and they're going to be in yeah. the top cars mm-hmm. uh, you know. unless max fails to win a race and then he gets kicked off the red bull driver program oh mercedes <laughs> or ferrari snapped him up Ah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there's no way uh, that they... He'll have a pick of the teams. Yeah, oh, I... if, if, if If he ever fell out with Red Bull, he'd have a pick of the teams. He, he would be able to sit, you know, go in and name his price, I think. I, yeah. I think he'll be a lot like uh, Seb, to be honest with you. I think he'll he'll realise that the opportunity lies better elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I can actually see Fettel... Uh, I can actually see Verstappen and Hamilton being in the same team. I really yeah, can see good. them being in the same team. Who would uh, win it? <laughs> I think. I think. I think Verstappen. When I mean, he don't forget he was the understudy to Ricardo, wasn't he? When he went into to Red Bull, uh-huh. and he very very quickly got his feet under the table, and he made it known that actually I'm not a number two here. I, I will, be the better driver, and don't forget as well. It's only a couple of years until Lewis's contract's up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Mercedes, I, I honestly I think there is a really strong chance that Max would would quite happily make the jump over to Mercedes. I mean, who wouldn't at the end of the day to go and drive the quickest car on the grid? Yeah, but it's only the quickest car now. You know, the, the regulations are changing. Twenty twenty one is going to get rid of you know several parts of that engine that that are performing obviously better than everyone else is at the moment, you know. Mm. Are they going to be... It's another race though, isn't it, to develop an engine to, towards the new rules. And I touched on it on the last podcast again. You know, if they've got £200 million to spend extra mm-hmm. than everybody else, which already, the you know, the rules are, you know, they've already been watered down so that any cost gaps don't include, is it engine? Um, Driver side. Drivers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they've they've got a massive advantage. You know, they could they could put four hundred million quid into the development of a new engine, whereas Renault might have a hundred. You know, yeah. if you've got four times as much as a, a competitor, you're you're always going to have, you know, a, a, a much better chance of. But Ferrari, Ferrari aren't short of a few quid. They 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 could have thrown lots more at the. They're not uh... short of a few quid. Definitely not. I mean. So why why weren't they competing, you know, immediately in the hybrid area when that came in? You know, it's... because they're Ferrari. <laughs> I, I I always liken Ferrari to uh, Ferrari F one to Liverpool in football. They're always the team that everybody thinks this season it's going to be their season, and it's never their season. Mm. I, well, I don't think I've ever known of a, a team that can promise so much in pre-season and just fall further and further and further back even with mm-hmm. development in the car I, I don't think there's a team out there that are, are worse to be perfectly honest with you and you know I mean that that's not sensationalising that's just stating a fact you know how how dominant were Ferrari in pre-season this season Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But how much was were, how much was uh, Mercedes sandbagging though? That's that's another thing that we'll never well, this, learn. This is the other thing. But at the end of the day, that that proves to you that Ferrari were they well for a start they weren't sandbagging. So it's almost like no. well you know 
if they're in such a strong position, then why aren't they sandbagging? Mm. But then again, it, it just proves the point: the car is not there for them to develop on, and any developments that they bring to the car throughout the season isn't good. It's not good enough for mm. a team that gets you know the funding that they get from the FIA through this Concord agreement, the heritage payments that they get, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. budget that they throw at that car themselves. Where are they? Yeah, you know it's, they've they've got the budget. If you were just talking monetary value, they have the budget to be on a par with Mercedes. Absolutely. But they're never there. They're never. It doesn't matter who's up the front. They they are never there. At the moment, maybe they need a Max Verstappen or a you maybe. know somebody to come in and drive the absolute shoelaces off the car. You know yeah. what I mean? Just. I I, I just. I, I, I mean, again, I'm just a fan looking in from the outside, and I'm, I'm sure it's different because it's, it's that old, that old saying, isn't it? You know, any Formula One driver you ask will always want to drive for that prancing horse, mm-hmm. and the Tifosi once in their lifetime. I, I just, I kind of, I question and I wonder whether or not are they are they beginning to get to a stage where. If they're going for the drivers like Max Verstappen, will Verstappen actually think twice and think, you know what, I'm good enough to win a championship here. I should be in the quickest car. Mm. I I don't trust you guys to actually provide that for me. But they have got the quickest engine They at the moment. They have got the quickest engine, apparently. Arguably, they have got the quickest engine. But again, I mean, you said it yourself. How much are Mercedes sandbagging? Hmm. You know, when it comes, you know, what what was it last season and, and towards the start of this season? What was the phrase? Was it um, party mode in quali- yeah. qualifying? Mm-hmm. You know, it, again, it, it all comes back to that thing about risk, doesn't it? You know, th- these guys have got three engines this season. Mm-hmm. Mercedes might have an extra 25 horsepower that they've got. They're already over 50% thermal, thermal efficiency on their engine. And it's, you know... If the risk isn't there, if the teams aren't pushing them quick, uh, quickly enough, why would they use it? They wouldn't. Yeah. There's no. There's no need to take that risk. No, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. But there we go. I digress. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there there was a great battle, um, uh, all the way through to lap number twenty, and somebody decided to park their car. In the middle of a gravel trap, Giovinazzi triggering a safety car, which also triggered in turn some pit stops. Uh, now there were some winners in the pit stop because they hadn't had their pit stops yet. Um, Hamilton and Sainz were signs, or however you say, it, were were two winners that I have written down on my notepad. Uh, the losers were obviously Vettel, Bottas, and unfortunately for us Brits, Lando Norris. Yeah, Lando Norris was really, yeah. really harshly dealt on, on that one. Yeah. I think he dropped down to Bottas, the probably the, you know, the second worst. Yeah, Bottas was in line to get take that uh, the first place back, but obviously with the with the slowing down of the of the uh, of the lap because of the safety car, uh, Hamilton can get him in and out. Yeah. Do uh, you think that Hamilton would have caught him and passed him anyway? I think it would have been a good battle. 
and it's that factor. We, it's we, that, we will never know, unfortunately. Yeah, we never know, but it's that the homegrown factor. I think Nigel Mansell said years ago that the home fans give him half a second a lap. Yeah. So a mm. uh, move round a you know a Bahrain circuit might not come off, where for whatever reason it just works at Silverstone because it's Hamilton yeah. and it's Silverstone. So I think, and yeah. in all honesty, but then you've got. You had Max Verstappen the, the, a week a week or so before that in uh, Austria when they said, "Oh, you know, it, the home the home crowd gives you an extra half a second. He goes, "Nah, that's not true. I've still got the same machinery. I've still got the same talent. It's just it depends what happens on the day." But he did win Austria, so maybe it did give him that extra boost. You know, maybe he was just being a bit modest about it. The Red Bull ring gave him wings. Mm. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we had winners and losers because of the pit stops. Uh, Hamilton was certainly a winner uh, because of the pit stops because he yeah. obviously took that, that that prime location on the in uh, position number one. Um, and then the losers, Vettel, Bottas, and Norris. Uh, as I say, we were quite disappointed in, in the fact that Norris was dealt such a bad hand in that because obviously we were we we're really rooting for him, um, and he was he qualified well. Uh, and he was performing quite well throughout that part of the race. Are we? Uh, are we start for? Are we start about that point? I think Hamilton at the point of the safety car was 11 seconds clear of Bottas. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about an 18 second pit stop for the minute you go in to come out. But because, yeah. as you know, the race gets neutralised, it went from 11 second gap to a 30 second gap. So that's why Hamilton was able to get in and back out. In the pit lane, he can still go the same speed as he could if there was no safety car. So, yep. in in essence, he you know the the stop is always going to be just eighteen seconds, um, whether there's a safety car or not. So it was quite clear he he could get out in front, yeah. um, which annoyed a lot of um, lots of the people that say Hamilton is the person the luckiest driver in the world. <laughs> not that he's skillful, you know, it just all falls into his lap. It obviously annoyed all those people, and obviously uh, ultimately annoyed Bottas, um, but he got. You know, Bottas did as well as could be expected given the circumstances. There's always I think there's a very, very easy way of putting to bed all of these conspiracy theories, saying that there was a safety car bought out and all this that, and the other. I think there's mm. two words that everybody needs to remember, and that's Jules Bianchi. <clears throat> yep. At the end of the day, they had to bring a tractor out to remove the car. Yeah. It was in it was in a braking zone, which, as we will discuss, two car, two other cars, two other quite important cars, ended up in exactly the same position. That could have happened at any point during that race, which mm. would have sent them under that tractor again. Yep. So I, th- I think we can kind of debunk that one straight away no. for anybody but who's w- going down that, that w- route. Would would a virtual safety car have been been um, more in line with? You know, well, I think it, it would have harboured. I think it would have harboured the same results because again, uh, you know, they'd have been what lapping at a third of the speed, or whatever. So I think yeah. you know, Hamilton would have still been able to pull out in front. What's this, um, a virtual safety car? Yeah. Yeah. Once you uh, go down to that delta, it's still going to be the same. You can't catch up. You've got to stay at the speed. Yeah. So if he wasn't going to be right in front, he'd have been right there or thereabouts. So it, it mm. doesn't make much difference to it. But as uh, Smudge says, uh, Sponge says there, you know, it's. Uh, I didn't have any issue with the safety car. The commentator said almost straight away that's probably going to be a safety car. 
you know, as soon as a tractor yeah. comes out onto that track, I've seen the Jules Bianchi accident. I've, I've watched it and I've seen the clips yeah. of it. I don't want to see it again. Uh, and if it means that safety cars have to come out, then a safety car comes out. You know, definitely. Absolutely. No, I've not got any argument with it. Yes, it changed the complexion of the race. Hamilton had came mm-hmm. out and said he probably would have won the race without the safety car. Probably. But, yeah. you know, for safety reasons, those marshals are there voluntarily. We've heard in the past mm-hmm. there's been marshals killed at races. I don't want that again. So, no. No, no, no one wants that. Nobody wants that at all. There's one other thing that I think we should touch on as well is that do do you guys feel comfortable with virtual safety cars and the, the the mechanisms that they use for a virtual safety car currently? Yes. I mean, I watched IndyCar and Champ Car way back when, and they do full, they do a, is it full course cautions? Yeah. Uh, so it neutralises the race, it pulls them into a certain speed, uh, which is set by whatever standard, I'm not sure of why or what they set it to, but, you know, I think it, it's it's a good kind of halfway because there'll be certain situations that don't need. That's probably a bit too complex to clear from a double waved yellow because you're still coming up yeah. to that section at full speed, and then it's only that section you slow down for. But then it doesn't. So a good example of that being if there was like a little bit of debris on the track that somebody needed to just go on and yeah. broom off very quickly in a in a natural gap in the you know in the. Yeah, because you can't bunch mm-hmm. up in a virtual safety car. You slow it down, you neutralise it. The guy goes out, gets the, you know, the bit of debris goes out of the way. That would that would nece- necessitate a safety car, but it still needs to neutralise yeah. it for that second. Then it can ha- and it's a very easy way to. The virtual safety car can end very quick. The safety car, you've got to wait till it gets round to the pit, the the the, the pit straight. So yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know you could have a half a lap of a virtual safety car. So I like the mechanism. I like it. I'm actually surprised they never brought it in sooner, to be honest. The, the only reason that I asked the question is, I was there on Friday, obviously, and they they actually did use the virtual safety car a couple of times. Right. And okay. I was I was actually uh, I was astonished at how loosely that rule can be interpreted. To be perfectly honest with you, so they all run to deltas effectively, which mm-hmm. means that you you. For a specific time, or for a specific point of arrival on the circuit, they cannot get there before a certain time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means, and this is what actually happened on the Friday as well. They were coming out of Luffield at about ten mile an hour, or you know what seemed like ten mile an hour, for about three or four seconds, and then they were literally just flooring it for you know five or six hundred meters. They were flooring it and just going at you know a race speed now whether that was to keep the brake temperatures up tire temperatures up i don't know to be honest with you i think that's a little bit of a, a secondary point but i think what what really struck me was this virtual safety car is like you said jamie it's there to to slow them down and to to bunch them, well, not to bunch them all up but to to neutralize everybody mm-hmm However, to keep the gap the same, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, we've seen we've seen it before, haven't we? In races where people have actually caught each other, or they have they've they've reeled people in. Let's say not not necessarily ended up on their bumper, but they have you know they've shaved seconds a lap off, you know, a, a person in front of them because of that particular 
um, virtual safety car. I, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that I'd rather, or I, I would, I would rather see something like a, you know, like a pit lane rev limiter or something like that that slows the car down permanently during that particular section, rather than saying you can drive at full speed but you're not allowed to get here before this time. Well, I mean, mm. I don't what think the drivers would allow anyone to be able to control the speed of the car without them being the only ones to do that. Uh, but so, so in in terms of in terms of the pit lane, they have to press a button which puts the pit lane speed limit on. Oh well, yeah, I mean they're in control so, yeah. of that. So you if know, they what, miss what that, they get a penalty. Well, yeah, you yeah. could. I suppose you could have a button, but it says right, virtual safety car. You have to hit the button, and you've got five seconds to do it from when you see it. Maybe the rules yeah. get tightened up slightly so that you've got, you know, that you can blast it, you know, that you have to have a consistent speed, a consistent delta yeah. rather than a point delta. So maybe that's yeah. something for them to look at. Uh, but I do like I do like the idea of the virtual safety car. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, I like the idea of a virtual safety car, which means that then they're literally made to go slower for a certain amount of time rather than everybody bunches up completely um you know they, they have to go around for a whole lap before the safety car comes in again um which to be fair though don't don't forget that kind of has its advantages sometimes to spice up a race mm. um but yeah I, I do agree with you jamie I, I you know I, I do agree with the, the virtual safety car is a great idea I, I just i wanted to ask a question because i just remember seeing that virtual safety car on friday and thinking, you know what, they're, they're not actually really slowing down that much. They're, they're actually, you know, they're, they're going around that corner, which was onto the national pitch, the old national pitch straight, at full speed at the end of the day, full acceleration. And, you know, if there was somebody on the track at that point, mm -hmm. it just kind of worried me that even under virtual safety car, it's still quite dangerous, actually. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I suppose they would also slow down. Um, where the incident that their marshals yeah, or whatever. I suppose they'd be or... told where it was, you know, where everything yeah. was happening, yeah. Yeah, and, and all the drivers would be doing that, you know, trying to, to make up whatever they could. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I can see where you're coming from. I can see why, why, it would, why you'd question the absolute safetyness of it. Um, and, and, and if there was a way of, like you say, having a pit lane limiter button, like a. a that, that, that maintained a certain speed maybe that's a, a way around it so a uh, virtual safety car button to uh, limit their speed to say i don't know 70 mile an hour or whatever it is i, yeah. I have no idea what speed it is but um yeah that, it's, it's an idea it's an idea um but then we uh obviously after after the uh the triggering of the pit stops and and, and obviously people losing out and, and whatever you and uh, the safety car came in we had some really really close racing um between vettel, vettel actually uh, and max uh, and max as well so um max had obviously uh, overtaken um at this point vettel so it was vettel uh, vettel coming back uh, towards max yeah um increasingly desperately as well with the look of it on the on the tv yeah he was it was certainly looked like he was struggling or panicking or you know Losing his cool uh, behind. Um, Wait, are you trying to say that he struggled under pressure? <laughs> <laughs> Never. No. <laughs> so, but then, 
into lap, oh, I've got it written down somewhere, lap 36, 37, um, it came to a head, uh, the battle between Vettel and Max. Max overtook after a, 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 a couple of laps of being behind, overtook Vettel, uh, Vettel came back uh, towards Max, uh, he was trying to draft him by the looks of it, and just completely forgot where the brake pedal was, yep. uh, went into the rear of Max. Uh, pushing them straight down into the gravel trap and fortunately fortunately both of them recovered their vehicles um, I can't say that Vettel recovered his race because obviously he dropped right back due yeah. to all the damage uh, and having to have a, a new nose um, I've no but... idea how Verstappen's car carried on that race to be perfectly honest with you especially going for you know, flight number 100 to the Silverstone wing yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, how it, there's a there's a great picture online. He's actually he's got to be about four foot in the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How on earth that happened? Well, you've got to also yeah, give kudos to the fact he never stalled it in the gravel while he's bouncing around yeah. as well. Absolutely, yeah, he kept that. But yeah, uh, Vettel got a was that a ten second time penalty for that as well. So that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So that was pretty nailed. It was pretty nailed on and, for him. And, and deserving, he yeah. deserved it too. You know, it was it was completely his fault. There was nothing Max could, Max could do. He was just a, a passenger on on, a, on Red Bull Airways. There has uh, been conversation. Um, <laughs> there has been. I was waiting. I was waiting to see the or to listen to the radio of it. To be honest with you, because I thought I was going to hear some kind of Braveheart esque <laughs> for the Netherlands as he was like <laughs> flying through the air. Into the <laughs> there was a couple of tweet. There was a couple of uh, posts on Facebook uh, where Verstappen brake tested Vettel, mm. uh, which again is tinfoil hat tile style stuff because uh, that wasn't anything. What that was, that people was... just don't like to see their their racer make a mistake. That's, yeah, that's, no, that's all it is. I think it kind of says it all when you see. The, the driver go up to the other driver and apologise. Yeah, and I was going to say that. About 27 times in the media after that as well. It yeah, kind of yeah. gives it away a little bit that he actually did make a mistake, doesn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he made a mistake. I mean, he, he didn't take into consideration the, the wind, wind uh, uh, aero factor or whatever yeah. when he was coming, I, coming up behind him. I, I did say to my dad, though, at the time, I do think he should be given a knighthood. The keys to Silverstone and freedom of Silverstone as well and Northampton. <laughs> Just for doing that, to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm not, I'm not Max's biggest fan. But they, oh, they, yeah, really? Right. <laughs> Why I could never, I could never tell that you weren't Spongy. <laughs> <laughs> why don't, why don't you like him, Sponge? I, 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 to be honest with you, I, I'm not a fan of the way that he races. Mm-hmm. I, I put it this way: I don't think, and it goes back to what I was saying about you know last week about wanting them to race nose to tail, every mm. corner, every lap. I know it's not possible. I know it's never going to be that way, but I don't even think it would be possible with Verstappen. I think you would get half a lap in and then that kind of thing will happen. You think I he gets know. do you think he gets bored following kind of the standard procedure of Formula One and how it's been? He wants to rewrite the the, the rules to, to kind of Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know about rewriting the rules. I just think he's a bit too much PlayStation driver kind of thing. It's almost like, you know, it doesn't matter where he puts the car. 
but it's 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 fun for casuals to to absolutely, watch yeah, absolutely. Um, because it, they they say oh this this young driver is, is really attacking he's always yeah but he does he does weave a lot he does change yeah. you know change change directions at, uh, at times more than he's supposed to and yeah, yeah he, he's been reprimanded for that i think the um, huge test for verstappen in his formula 1 career is going to be when he gets into that race leading car Mm-hmm. And I don't mean a Red Bull that might win one out of 40 races or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean a, a Merck-esque car who is dominating at the time. Or is it, you mm-hmm. know, at least one of the front two. Yeah. I think that's the big test because, uh, I, you know, we, we've we've touched on it so many times. You, you, can, you can go into a car and outperform a car. Mm-hmm. Quite easily these days, to be honest. I mean, Gasly did it with Toro Rosso, didn't he? Um, Kvyat yeah. did it with Toro Rosso and got bumped up to Red Bull and he wasn't good enough mm-hmm. I know Verstappen is performing well for Red Bull right now but will he will he be able to race the very best in the sport and you know you know, carry on racing them as, as he should I don't know but yeah I think t- time will, will tell mm-hmm. absolutely uh, I, I, I... As as a bit of a diehard fan, I I I can see where you're coming from that he doesn't follow the rules as they are written. Um, but I do find him exciting, even in the dullest of races. He does, you know, at least create something um, where there's not usually much going on. Um, and I and I, I kind of appreciate that sometimes in the in the the, the Francis of the of, of the season, if you get what I mean. The race that shall never um, be mentioned again. <laughs> I just did, didn't I? Oh, uh, I should uh, put a pound in the bank jar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll leave France there. Oops, put another pound in. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, in that incident, obviously Vettel completely destroyed his car, ruining his own race. Uh, he obviously just, he he ruined Max's race, but Max did, you know, at least recover. A tiny bit, um, but not not to the position that he would have been um, had he not got shunted up the rear by a prancing horse. Oh, uh, and then it was pretty much oh yeah, <laughs> sounds exciting, doesn't it? Risque. Are we still um, talking about Formula One now? Yeah, we are. We are. Keep your minds out of the gutter. So yeah, then it was just uh, just just the racing between them, uh, between the rest of them. It was kind of making up for that. There wasn't loads of excitement after that, really. Uh, did you, do you remember anything after lap thirty-seven after the shunt um, that uh, of note, apart from obviously the, the final lap for, from Lewis Hamilton, which I've got written uh, down. I mean, the, uh, Ricardo and Sainz were having a bit of a ding dong on the last ten ten yeah, or so there was, laps. There was I think. a few. I was keeping quiet on uh, that yeah. one, but that, that was the only one that I kind of saw. Hulkenberg made a couple of places back towards the end, I think. Yeah. There was also uh, so, uh, Sainz, not Carlo, not Sainz, uh, Perez lost his front wing. I think that was in the battle with yes. Hulkenberg, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, so he yeah. fell to yeah. the back. Uh, I just up to touch on with the midfield. It ke- I think it's came out that Albon was struggling with his engine. There was an, uh, there was an issue with something it, yeah. with his engine. It was a power surge with the engine by yeah. the sound of it. And they couldn't pit him. So they could- because of fears of, of uh, an yeah. electric uh, electric shock. So that's something. why he ended mm. up falling way back because he was seventy. He couldn't pick to change his tyres, and they were obscenely old. So 
That's it. That was a bit of a shame yeah. for him because he's another up and comer. And then we do get to the last lap, which was Lewis Hamilton, obviously in lead. He obviously had something to prove, um, but he was on 32 lap old hard tires. Um, he didn't choose. There was a moment before that last lap where he was told that he could come in for a pit stop because obviously at that point um, Bottas still needed to pit for his uh, the, the, the different compound of tyre. Yep. Um, so he was he would have been sa- absolutely safe to do so to come in and, and, and get one, but they they opted to keep him out to just obviously make sure. Just to touch he, on that, think, tell um, us, like... it was actually Hamilton mm-hmm. that decided not to come in. Uh, from what I've read since, yeah, he's well, came out and said that he didn't. He decided to stay out that he felt fine. Plus, as you know, mm-hmm. when he pit stops, it's an unknown quantity. A, a stuck wheel nut, yeah. a dodgy wheel coming off, dodgy ah. wheel coming on. That yeah. you know. Because uh, Leclerc was was Leclerc something like twenty three seconds behind or something. Oh, like it was. That, a, it was. I mean, it was a free pit stop. I think he was going to come out about yeah. five or six seconds in front of Bottas, but it was. I mean, it wasn't going to be mm. close. And they were able to do it because of how short the pit lane is for uh, Silverstone. As I say, it's like what eighteen seconds mm-hmm. I said before. Normally, you're talking twenty-four, yeah. thirty seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. And he had that in his pocket, and it was done purely as a safety because it was, as you say, thirty plus laps hard tire. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, he he went into that last lap, and he was like, "Do you know what? I'm in front of my home crowd." I want that nice little purple stop clock at the side of my name. Um, so he just gunned it, and it was like a man possessed. On you, you just watched that that lap, and you could see that it was something special. On on 32 lap old tires, hard tires, so not even the, the the fastest compound of the lot. And he just brings it home, and that you know that 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 purple time comes up at the top of the screen, and you're like, wow. I mean, that was that was something special, wasn't it? No, that's just but that's just classic Hamilton. This is the reason why we are talking about him as being one of the all-time great Formula One drivers. Uh, mm. Because he does this. Yeah. He just does it. It's like a, a story I heard of Ayrton Senna a number of years back. He was driving a, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was a McLaren. Don't know which McLaren it was. And he was driving it, and he he went back to the garage, and he went, something's not right with the back of the car. And they looked at the data and they went, no, it's fine, it's not a problem. Of course, it's Ayrton Senna, so they stripped it down. There was a fractured or a, a, a piece of a bolt or something very minute in the engine that was broken or fractured or going to break or not doing something right. Mm-hmm. And he just knew. Hamilton is the same as that. He just knows. He knew exactly where the grip yeah. was with that car. He knew exactly what he needed to do. Uh, and there's no one on the grid that's got that level uh, just now. Uh, so that just it just shows and it emphasises exactly. I mean, we shouldn't be beating up. And I'm not saying me because I don't beat up on any of the drivers. But uh, no, you know, as a well, as a Formula One, questionable. well, <laughs> you know, if they deserve to be having, if they deserve it, then yeah. But I'm not going to beat up on a driver because I don't like them. Uh, Mm. I will I will call them out if I see something you know like Vettel wave or happen or Vettel in Bahrain or whatever other you know Grosjean and or whatever, but we shouldn't be beating on Hamilton purely because we don't like him. We have to say you know you you have mm. to admit 
the man is just he, he is a once in a generation he's a Roger Federer of the the, the, the Formula 1 world he, you know, he's a Pele of the football world he's somebody that comes along once in a generation uh, and that last lap proved that to me anyway it proved that it showed yeah. that uh, and he's he's just about to hand over to Leclerc as well I think to be perfect honest do you think Leclerc, Leclerc over, over Stappen? Yeah, well, you obviously you do. You don't <laughs> like Verstappen, but <laughs> I just I think I think Leclerc has proved in all of the battles that he's had so far, he's mm. he's got an old head on young shoulders. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. He knows the kind of um, you know he knows the etiquette, if you know what I mean, the driver etiquette. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He just seems like a pure racer. I don't. Oh, think he's there's definitely anybody very out good. There at the moment that has put you know put his car in positions that Leclerc. I mean, he, he took him around the outside. You know, he took he took Verstappen around the outside and then kept his his foot in. You know, I I, I just think he's he's got the bravery. He's got he's got the know how. I, I just think he he's head and shoulders above anybody in that sport right now, as a youngster. Mm. No, I I agree, I agree. I, I I do think that we've got um we've got potentially two two drivers because I, I I still quite like Max myself personally, um so I I do think you know I, I do think we've got two potentials to take up the uh, the, the the helm. Um, should Hamilton ever drop off, which I can't see him doing at the moment. I, you know, I think he's got a good four years left of him, uh, Hamilton, personally. Um, I think he wants Schumacher's yep. title, doesn't he? I, 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 don't think, I don't think there's a driver in the world that's going to get to five world titles um, and, and basically say, yeah, okay, I'm going to just give it one more year or two more years and then just hang it up. Mm. You know, without no. giving him himself a chance to properly put himself into them record books. You know, he's been in the sport what 13, 14 years mm. now, and two thousand and seven, mm. I think, was his first year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. And he won it in two thousand eight. Should have won it in two thousand seven. <laughs> yeah, well, he yeah. should have. Yeah, but. So, I but mean, he, that, could, that was... he could have been one away from it now, whereas. Yeah. To be fair, he's he's only looking a few months away from one away from it, isn't he? So, well, I mean, I think Silverstone was for me was was a bit of one of one nail in the coffin. Uh, as is it he were. not like thirty six yeah. or thirty seven points clear already of Bottas? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. He's he's, he's, yeah. he's he's it's pretty much something like two yeah. race results, isn't it? That he's, he's ahead. Yeah, there was a, there's an interesting thing I posted earlier about um, from uh, the. F1 visualized um, Facebook page. Mm. Um, Ferrari have total total points of 243. Hamilton just alone is just 20 points behind the total um, mm. pairing of the Ferraris. That's, I can't see anyone. You know, obviously Bottas is there. He could he could he could, uh, he could make make way, but I can't see it personally. I I, I think it's. I don't want to write the season off now and say you know it's over because we're having loads of fun with with the, the mid the mid season the, the mid um, tiered teams. 
Um, but I, I can't see anyone else lifting the trophy this year. No. I mean, we could change it. I mean, if Bottas wins and Hamilton doesn't get points, it opens it back up. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not. In, in yeah, he, modern, he, he doesn't. He needs a few DNFs. Yeah, in modern Formula One, your your top drivers don't tend to not finish anymore. I mean, last mm. race, not this one, but the last race, nobody retired. So it's not no. like it was ten years ago where you see a lot of cars dropping off because their engine went or you know silly moves or whatever. It's they're, they're a lot. The reliability the generally the cars is very are a good. Lot, a lot better, and Mercedes are one of the more reliable cars out there. So. No, yeah. I don't see it. I, yeah, I mean, you're right. Mathematically, he probably can't. He, he's not tied up. But, you know, I, I can't. It's, it's Hamilton still is. And I think most people know that. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why Vettel is just not quite 100% and not quite himself just now. I think he knows that it's not. Uh, last year was Vettel's chance, I think. And he blew it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would have been a demotivating, you know, factor for for this year and and whatever, and it certainly would have had an effect on his whole demeanour as as a, as a, a driver. Uh, and as you say, we, we we talked about the pressure before. He's he's just got such pressure on his shoulders to perform, and it, we all know that actually when he's got a driver chasing him down, when the pressure is on, he does make mistakes, and he's. Well, I, th- I think he ran out of it, ran out of excuses at, at the British Grand Prix and actually just held his hands up and said, "You know what? <laughs> I can't excuse myself anymore. Uh, it, it's me." Mm. Okay, so that was the uh, British Grand Prix. Um, I'll just run through the positions. So we have a rundown of where everyone came. Lewis Hamilton obviously came in first. We've been talking about him for the last ten minutes. Uh, Valtteri Bottas was on the second step, and Charles Leclerc was on the third. Pierre, Pierre Gasly was fourth, which was his equal. Um, his equal highest position uh, in a Grand Prix, so he did well after his poor showing at the previous race, um, which is worth noting, I suppose, um, for Pierre Gasly. Uh, um, that probably only really happened because his teammate Max Verstappen obviously had an incident, um, but he was he recovered to to, uh, to fifth place um, in the race, followed by Carlos Sainz at sixth, Daniel Ricciardo seventh, Kimi Raikkonen eighth, Kimi Raikkonen eighth, uh, Daniel Kvyat. Ninth, Nico Hulkenberg, tenth, Lando Norris, unfortunately down in number eleven, just outside of the points. Uh, Alexander Albon, twelfth, Lance Stroll, thirteenth, George Russell, fourteenth, Robert Kubica, fifteenth, who beat four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel, who was in sixteenth. Sergio <laughs> Perez <laughs> came in uh, at seventeenth, but actually I think he did retire, didn't he? But the, 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 it was on the, one of the last laps, um, and then the. Uh, Non-finishers, the DNFs, uh, were Anthony, Antonio Giovinazzi, Romain Girojan, and Kevin Magnussen. Okay, and that concludes our Paddock Club, talking about, obviously, the British Grand Prix. We'll move on to our next section, which is, of course, the news. Bum, bum, <laughs> bum. And has there been any news in the Formula One world no, this week? None at all. Let's just move on to the next part. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to report here. Nothing, nothing to do report. Pass, do you want to pass me that can of Red Bull? I seem to remember. <laughs> I seem to remember something happening with a energy drinks company. Bearded uh, wizard takes over Twitter. Well, I thought it would not yeah. start. Was it not about the Wednesday or something? Where the Williams story, the headman yeah. of Rich Energy, title sponsor to Hass F1. 
came out and said that they terminated the sponsorship deal with Haas due to poor perfor- poor performance. And the whole point mm. of him being... Yeah. It's literally the week after they got their highest qualifying yep. position. He didn't want yeah. his, didn't want his company fighting against the Williams, and he should have been fighting against the Red Bulls. So everybody, so Twitter went into yeah. an explosion, and then Haas stayed very quiet, and then it all kind of went from there. Uh, yeah, and it's been back and forth, back and forth. Obviously, I actually think Haas have dealt with it very professionally. They've uh, just handed you know. it off to the lawyers. They've just went, I can't talk about it, and then the lawyers yeah. have been dealing with it, which is actually how you're supposed to do business. Uh, or you're not supposed to do business through Twitter. Uh, I'm sure there's a president somewhere mm-hmm. that needs to know about that as well. Uh, <laughs> so, Just uh, a small one. <laughs> just the most powerful yep. country in the world. Uh, so... <laughs> We I, I was literally just reading up on a, a um, an interview with Gunter Steiner. Whoever did this interview literally has to be given the, the, the journalism award, whatever they call it, of the, the year. I, I don't think I don't think I would have the nerve to sit down and ask Gunter Steiner for any of his time. To be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> he, he's come out, and I'll, I'll read the quote to you. Um, he says, but don't expect Haas team boss Steiner to take the bait. He told racefans.net, I don't really care about that stuff. If somebody gets on Twitter, you know there is a point where it's like, I'm over 50 years old. I'm not in kindergarten anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there is more problems than, than... Hang on. There is more problems than that for him, to be honest. You should focus yeah. on that now, not how we start. Good oh, grief. Yeah. It's brilliant. So I think that... Because honestly, if there's any, ever anybody that I'd like to go out for a point with, oh, it would be that bloke. He's brilliant. He's hilarious. Uh, uh, but, I mean, the, the, the whole rich energy thing, I mean, it was to and fro, and it was bizarre. Things went back and forward. The investors of the company came out and went, oh, nope. Nope, nope, that guy, what was it, a rogue employee or something had a hold of Twitter? It found out it wasn't a rogue <laughs> employee, it was a guy that owned the company. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, eventually it came out today, just a couple of hours, it broke about a couple of hours before we started the podcast, that Rich Energy are no longer a company. Uh, they have no. now changed their name to Volt Lightning Energy. Uh, a guy called is it Martin K- Lightning, Lightning Volt, Volt. Uh, Lightning, Lightning Volt, Volt. Uh, Energy <laughs> High F One catchy, almost as good as Sports Pesa Racing Point for India F One. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, from what we've gathered, Rich Energy no longer exists. Volt, uh, Lightning Volt Energy mm-hmm. are now the new company. So uh, we're presuming that they now take over title sponsorship of Haas F1 and all the contract. William's story. I think that is the case because I, I think there was a, there was a tweet from the Lightning Vault, the new Lightning Vault um, Twitter account, that said um, that hinted towards that mm-hmm. in one of their tweets. Um, that's so that we can only really go off the hint. There's nothing confirmed in the news at, as yet, but it's for definite. But um, from what the hinting's saying on on Twitter. In the Twitter sphere, uh, it is that that they are going to take up the title sponsorship of the Hass F1. Well, uh, it did actually come out, and I think I'd shared it onto the page that if Rich Energy 
there is some legal jargon in the letter, but basically what it said was that Rich Energy O has thirty five million and they had like fourteen days to pay it. Uh, I've Oof. got a sneaky suspicion that might have been the reason why uh, this happened, because <laughs> uh, yeah. there has been a lot of questions about not only the sanity of the guy that owns the company uh, and gets a hold of the Twitter account, mm. but also the income for the company. You can't go into a supermarket and buy a can mm-hmm. of rich energy. You actually have to go into the website and pay thirty <laughs> quid, and they send you twenty four cans. But yeah, you can't even do that, though, mate. Even if you try and do an order through Amazon or whoever it is that you can tr- you, you can try and order, it it will never fulfill. Oh, right, your I've order. never tried it. I just heard that that's <laughs> what it was. Uh, it's, it, it, this is why everybody keeps saying this cannot be a legitimate company. You know, where is all of this money coming from? Because they're obviously not selling their product to mm. enough people to get the money. To, you know, to be able to sponsor a team for thirty-four million quid. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. It just you want. It makes you wonder who that's that um, secret Austrian um, scientist hmm. is, doesn't it? Because <laughs> it's it, that's that's who it is, isn't it? It's uh, it's that. The bearded yeah. chap and, and some unnamed Austrian scientist. Mm. I, I mean, Very I've been suspicious. I've been looking on Twitter trying to find the the actual lightning volt energy. I don't know. I don't know which one to trust. To be perfectly honest with you, it literally it has descended into that that much of a madness. There was one that came out earlier that said that they have you know that they've. Um, They've gone through and they've done a new logo, which is completely unique. That looks exactly like the Opal logo. Yeah, it's just they're, 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 they're having a I, good I uh, tongue-in-cheek battle with their ex CEO, I think. Uh, which is it's just quite funny if you've got if yeah. you've got that level of sarcasm and you in that kind of dry wit, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. But mm. yeah, because the the first tweet they put out was a gif of the of somebody shaving. We've got rid of the beard. So it's it's a very very bizarre and a very strange situation. Uh, but I think it's what what has what good what good has come of it all um, is that the chap with the beard, um, William Story, is Matthew. Um, oh, way off. Yeah. William Story uh, gets to, gets to keep the rich energy Twitter oh. Twitter account, so he'll still keep his following. So he'll still be able to give be given a platform and a soapbox to to rant the on. The problem is that he's no longer actually a director of. Rich no, energy. rich energy doesn't exist anymore. No. It's now called that. No, exactly. but yeah, he doesn't have any control. Any. Oh, I basically he doesn't have any control of the company whatsoever, and he's not a director. Uh, either so, no. He you can do what he likes with his Twitter account, uh, but he's not got any connection. Oh, I'm to sure it. he it's will. This guy called Matthew Kell or something that owns seventy five percent. Oh, that's the, the, that's the Matthew. Yeah. I, ju- I just don't understand if you if you've got a product that is as, um, what, what shall we say, in demand as William Story has previously tried to claim. And if mm-hmm. you have a product that can afford you to sponsor a Formula One team to the sum of money that they have, you know, that they've disclosed, 
how can you just rename that brand overnight? I, I don't, you know, does that not expose the fact that they're not actually selling a product and it mm. doesn't matter to them anymore? I don't uh, know. Don't I? Surely anything that they've produced up until now is void. You can't yeah. sell a can of rich energy anymore, can you, at the end of the day? The biggest, I think the biggest thing about it would be to do with this court case for the mountain bike company. Because the mountain bike company were looking at getting in. This was another part of why this has happened, I think, because... They were told, the, the court basically told Rich Energy to release facts and figures. So, to understand, the, from what I know, for the mountain bike company to assess the damages because Rich Energy used a, a version of their logo, uh, they needed to know how much value they got from it. So, oh. uh, mm -hmm. that I think triggered everything. So, so he's it's dropping the value of the it could, company. It could be. It could be something to do with that. It could just be something that that's the only way to get rid of this guy William Story to actually, you know, to basically change the name. If he holds the rights to the company and he didn't release it, you have to change the name. The the other thing is as well. There is another another angle to all of this, which was, I think Jamie, you've just or Coops, you've just touched on it about white bikes. Mm -hmm. There was there was a there was a line somewhere that I read that they were actually considering a winding up order. Oh really? Okay. So has this all just kind of fallen in? You know, because obviously white bikes has they've they've both kept their gobs shut, which is what they should be doing. Mm. You know, is there is there a a part of this whereby actually they're they're doing what they have done, which is gone out to the public before they've actually um, you know before they've actually rubber stamped everything mm -hmm. uh, you know and they've, they've basically given their account of things before anybody can actually come out and give the, the actual um, given the correct turn, turn of events maybe I, I don't know yeah well I'm going to put my tinfoil hat firmly on my head <laughs> what about if William Story saw that you know all this was going to go on. He's going to have to spend thirty-five million anyway. Let's create such a storm uh, as we can. We will be in the news. We'll have better a better uh, coverage in the news than currently uh, finishing. You know, in whatever positions Haas uh, is is finishing. You know, uh, in the races, they're not they're not performing. To what he would have wanted, they they were promising in pre-season. So perhaps he thought, you know, they're promising pre-season. They, they'll probably give us a good name. But he saw that they're not necessarily performing to to what they could have been or what the potential was. And he thought, well, you know, I'm spending thirty five million anyway. Let's uh, let's let's create this big media storm. Uh, and, Do you and mean really like create a little bit of you know a little bit of a no press is negative press kind of? Yeah, situation. absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So 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 but no I news. I agree is, with you yeah, there, but. I, I still come back to the point where you can't buy their produce, so it's almost like, well, yeah, why would you, why would you create anything like that if you still can't, or if you're still not selling something? Mm. It's almost like you know, no, no press is bad press if you want people to buy your product. Yeah, but if if nobody can buy it anyway, where do you go? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. It just seems it seems really. I, I, it's a bizarre it's, circumstance, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's almost like you know kids in a playground would be able to do a better job, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But there we go. Yeah. 
Anyway, we'll, we'll move on to our next section because um, we've got a few questions from our Facebook followers. Uh, so we'll go on to Pit Pass. So Pit Pass is where we do field some questions from our audience, from you guys out there. Um, and we've got a few that we've got to touch on today. Uh, I'll start with the first one, um, which we did touch on a little bit in the race review. Um, but hi, guys. Love listening to last week's podcast. I'd like you to discuss whether the safety car was necessary. I can't wait to listen to this one again. That's from Andrea. So what do you think? I think we both pitched on it during was... the summing up of the race. Uh, without question, uh -huh. there's a tractor on there, Jules Bianchi. I don't think there's really much else to say uh, with that one. No. Yeah, completely so agree. we agree that the safety yep. car was necessary. Yeah. Um, abs absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, next a question. question on the type of, of, question, uh, of, of safety car, but definitely, definitely safety car was necessary. Yeah, and it but it would have it would have harboured mostly the same results. Um, yeah, obviously, Lewis would have still had plenty of time to to get in and out the pits and stay yeah. in front of Bottas. Um, then Danny Graham has, has put, well, I think the main uh, opinion after Silverstone is whether Hamilton won because of the safety car. Also, it would be good to hear the predictions of who's going to be where next year and whether or not it's time for Seb to hang up the gloves. Okay. So, there's a couple of couple of couple of questions there. A couple of questions in there. So, obviously, we've we've touched on the, the safety car. Um, so, who do we think is going to be where uh, next year? Well, I think we've got a month uh, after G Germany, so we could keep the listeners in suspense. Mm -hmm. I think we could do a silly, oh, a silly yeah. season <laughs> podcast later. I've got a few opinions. Okay, I so don't, uh, what, just to give you a hint, I don't think Vettel will be driving next year. And I think Alonso will be back. Okay, well that goes on to the second question then. Yeah, so that goes that goes into onto the second part of the second part of his uh, question. Um, is it time for Seb to hang up the gloves? I think uh, Mika Hakkinen style sabbatical will work for him because he's clearly not right. Ooh, that's interesting. There's yeah. something not right with him just now. I think he needs to go away and you know reset himself, bring Alonso in for a 12 month one season deal. And then let Sebastian decide mm -hmm. after one year out, do you want to come back or not? Uh, he's just not, something's not right. His whole demeanour, the errors he's making, he's just not mm -hmm. what we would expect from a four-time world champion. No, I did actually, I now that you've said that, I did actually see something earlier that had suggested that he's going to wait until the 2021 regulations mm. come out to decide what he does. As to because I think he's he's contracted till twenty twenty one or the end. Of I know he's contracted for twenty twenty one because I think it's the end of the Concord agreement yeah. or something. So yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting. I I I'd never thought about the sabbatical idea. Do you think that he would come back after a year? He might not. I mean, Mika Hakkinen was going to come back after a year and then just didn't bother. Just quite enjoyed yeah. it. So he might not. But I mean, he's got the option. Uh, I, I would, I would imagine he would have the option, but the other option you've got, no, take him back to Red Bull, you know, Hello? go back to Red Bull, because uh, what mm. if Gasly's not doing anything right just now and not performing, him back at Red Bull might be a good idea. I don't, I mean, the pressure that he's suffered within uh, Ferrari is maybe the biggest reason. He won't. He won't have their uh, Red Bull. But I, I certainly think that he won't be there at the end of the year. Okay. Well, we will see. That we, we are 
obviously all waiting for, for for that to sort itself out and we'll we'll see as as the year continues and we'll have uh, more of a a discussion on driver positions as we, as coops did say uh, in our mid season uh, our mid season break podcast um, so we'll get, we'll talk about all the silly season any rumors any theories um, so by all means we will put another post up on the page by all means ask your questions uh, away f- again for that one um, any other questions that we, the page has passed to us? Uh, Sebastian Vettel in his current position in F1 came from Jordan John Walker Dean. So yeah, again, everyone's asking that same, that exact same question. Do, do you know is his position tenable? Uh, is he going to stay there? Is he going to have a sabbatical? Um, that's our, our opinion has been, been shared about that one. Um, Simon Scott, can you tell us actually what on earth is going on with Rich Energy slash Lightning Vault? We're all I'm like... totally lost. Well, Simon. <laughs> Simon, we're all lost. Uh, we we hope we hope we made a little bit of sense of it of the madness, but I don't think we have really. Um, we don't to, want to. to. Be, we want to be able to come back to it next time and talk about it even more. To be continued is Wait, all I can say. Yeah. Cars will be like Lake in Germany. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean that. Do you know what? That's a really good point actually, because that's extra. Oh, cost the car, I would team, imagine so... that Volt Energy would cover that cost. Yeah. That will be. <laughs> There'll be the the, the yeah. lawyers uh, to do with Haas will be like, oh, you've changed, right? You're you're paying for that. Everything's covered in the old rich energy colours, mm. so there's no way they're going to take that on themselves. Mm. There's another question as well, um, uh, which I'd like to uh, jump on to. Um, is there any two dr- drivers currently within F1 that potentially could have a battle as intense or compelling as those between Hunt v Lauda? Or Senna v Prost, or is the sport too sanitised now for that to happen again? What That's a great question. question! What a great <sighs> question! But it is. Le- I I think the Leclerc and Verstappen yep. thing might might get to that stage, but I, I I do I do agree that I don't think Formula One will allow for that kind of um, backwards and forwards. I, I don't think it's got. I don't think the sport has it in it to allow. That kind of uh, rivalry anymore? To has, be honest, has Hamilton got a few years left in a to, to gain a rivalry against one of these two, one of these young? No, because you know, he's too far ahead of them. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. He's too far mm. ahead. But then, and the conversely, if you talk about Formula One, the design of the tracks has stopped Formula One to do what you know the rivalries of the past because. You know, the Austria situation wouldn't have happened if there was a gravel trap at the edge of the track rather than a big runoff area. You know, mm. so I think they want that to happen. I think they need to start looking at ways to keep them on the track and they won't stick the nose in. Verstappen would have to change his driving because if he gets mm. it wrong, he's in a gravel, he ain't moving. If he gets it wrong now and like in yeah. that race that shall not be named, you just run, you just drive. Mm. So, you know, I think there yeah. needs to be a, an element of looking at the track design as well as the rules. I think the rules are okay. Like, wheel-to-wheel racing's fine. It's when you start doing mm. to a point what Rosberg done a couple of years ago, what, you know, arguably what Verstappen done to a certain degree in Austria, where you, you stick the car in, you bump. Mm. You know, if it's wheel-to-wheel and you give each other enough space, you look what happened in Silverstone. It was brilliant. So I think that it's it's there, Mm. it can happen if they're allowed to do it, but the track design is something. 
and I think the younger drivers know this. You just keep the car on the outside and get forced off the track and let the stewards deal with it. That's not racing. Yeah, I totally agree. They should, um, I don't know, put some nails so off, the, off, the, off the track slightly so it destroys their tyres or something. I wonder how much traction you get through yeah. sausages. Would they, oh, would they be I frozen? Don't know. Hamilton will like it. <laughs> Uh, Hamilton would like it because I mean, I think he's vegetarian or something, is he not? So he'd be scared of him. Uh, so. Oh, he's vegan. He's vegan. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, uh, again, it's 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 a great question, but it probably requires a whole another podcast. Um, I think, to kind I think of the other thing to touch that. on there as well is it all it, it does a lot of that does come down to the new regulations mm-hmm. in 2021. Mm. We're not going to know whether or not these cars are going to be able to race each other. Are the, mm. you know are the uh, are the drivers going to be allowed to race with the technology that's underneath them, or are we just going to have another watered down load of nonsense like we've got at the moment that doesn't allow it? Mm. And if if we do carry on with the you know the 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 way things are at the moment, I I genuinely have a fear that it's going to be the downfall of Formula One because if if Drivers like Verstappen and Leclerc are not allowed to race each other and build that kind of rivalry up. The whole essence of the sport is gone. It's just it's null and void. Mm. It's not it's not built to be a procession. So you know the drivers the drivers aren't going to stick around if they are just driving around in a, in a procession. Mm-hmm. So I think I think twenty twenty one is as bigger turning point as the decisions of the drivers yeah. themselves to be honest okay well yeah well that's that's that question quite i mean as i say we, we could probably talk about it for a, a long time that question it's it's quite a deep deep question and with with, with many facets uh that we, that we could answer and, and kind of looking looking at the combination combinations of drivers um again going head to head um but obviously we, we can't possibly go on to that now <laughs> we've got yeah. yeah we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes so we, maybe that's something we can address in a future podcast um yeah. and, and dip into it um we have got an absolutely fantastic competition on the page at the moment uh, and the competition is closing uh, as we speak so we are going to re- uh, release the results um and james uh, sponge is, is going to tell us who the winners are. Um, go for it, James. Who are the winners of this week's competition? The fantastic drawing of Nigel Mansell for uh, uh, taking Ayrton Senna around um, Silverstone. Thank you, Tiller. Okay, the winners are Phil Campbell, Richard Bark, Jamie Pickett, Gemma Graham and Andy Talbot. Thanks, everybody, for taking part and we'll be in touch with the winners to arrange for the prints to be sent out to you. Brilliant. Okay. Now, just for a bit of fun, I thought I'd put a couple of questions to my two co-pilots, uh, my co-drivers, Sponge and Coops. Got a little bit of a quiz. So just shout out. I'll uh, whoever, whoever calls out first gets to answer the question first. Um, it's just five simple questions, just to see and test your F1 knowledge. Don't okay. Google it. Okay. I know you're sitting at your laptops and you sit at your computers. I don't want you no, to Google no, and cheat. No. So question number one. The question number one, head to head. Which F1 team formed in 2007 and is was was formed in 2007 
and he's based at Silverstone. Go on then, Sponge. Sponge. Formed in 2007. Formed in 2007, based at Silverstone. Force India. That's not correct. correct. They're not Force India anymore. Got it. Half a point off. <laughs> <for that one. laughs> they were. Point spot pizza. <laughs> they were, oh, when, they okay. were when they were formed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. Bernie Eccleston bought which F1 team in Sponge. 1971? Oh, Sponge Brabham is in there quickly. Brabham. Brabham. Yeah. Ah, Brabham. Correct. Absolutely correct. You've got to be quicker, Coops. Got to be quicker off the mark. I know. <laughs> okay, question number three. What record did Rubens Barrichello break at the 2008 Turkish Grand Prix? Sponge. Go, Sponge. Most races without a win? No. I'll leave it open to you then, so you can't, you can't answer no, Sponge. Oh, it's Coops. Uh, completely open to you. Can you get the right answer? Oh, what record? Most race starts. Most race starts. Yes, oh, that's right. You're, oh, I was going right. to go with that as well. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> so you got the record for most race starts for any F1 driver. Uh, 2008 Turkish Grand Prix. So question number four. Which team and driver combo won the Constructors and Drivers Championship in 1995? Sponge. Oh, dear. Benetton oh. Schumacher. Benetton Schumacher is correct. Correct. You're just too quick. Damn. So it's... Three points to one. Uh, see if you can save face a little bit with the final question. Coops? No, righty. Okay. So, question number five. Who did Lewis Hamilton overtake on the last lap of the Brazilian Grand Prix? Oh, Jamie. Jamie, go on then, Coops. Timo Glock. Timo Glock. He is absolutely correct. Is that Glock? That is Glock. He's flying. I remember that race, and I just must have been jumping up so high and, and shouting yeah, so loud. I, it was I was so excited, just I, just screaming at the television. I was my neighbours must have thought, "What on earth is going on in that house?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the head to head over my, my drivers head to head with my two drivers, Coops and Sponge. Well played, Coops. I think that's <laughs> well, well, well done. Yeah, we'll, we'll have another go uh, next time uh, and see if you can uh, see if you can pip. Uh, sponge to the uh, to the number one spot uh, next time. So that has been uh, everything F1 podcast for the British Grand Prix and all the news and everything that surrounds it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, on behalf of myself and my two co-pilots, Coops and Sponge, I'd like to say goodbye, and we will speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.